Section 15 of The Talking Horse and Other Stories. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lynn Thompson. The Talking Horse and Other Stories by F. Anstey. Section 15. Marjorie, Part 1. I have thought myself justified in printing the following narrative found among the papers of my dead friend Douglas Cameron Who left me discretion to deal with them as I saw fit? It was written indeed as its opening words imply rather for his own solace and relief Than with the expectation that it would be read by any other But painful and intimate as it is in parts I cannot think that any harm will be done by printing it now with some necessary alterations in the names of the characters chiefly concerned Before however leaving the story to speak for itself I should like to state in justice to my friend that during the whole of my acquaintance with him Which began in our college days. I never saw anything to indicate the morbid timidity and weakness of character that seemed to have marked him as a boy Reserved he undoubtedly was with a taste for solitude that made him shrink from the society of all but a small circle and With a sensitive and shy nature which prevented him from doing himself complete justice But he was very capable of holding his own on occasion and in his disposition as I knew it There was no want of moral courage nor any trace of effeminacy how far he may have unconsciously exaggerated such failings in the revelation of his earlier self or what the influence of such an experience as he relates may have done to strengthen the moral fibre are points on which i can express no opinion any more than i can pledge myself to the credibility of the supernatural element of his story it may be that only in the boy's overwrought imagination the innocent child spirit came back to complete the work of love and pity she had begun in life But I know that he himself believed otherwise and truly if those who leave us are permitted to return at all It must be on some such errand as Marjorie's Douglas Cameron's life was short and in it so far as I am aware He met no one who at all replaced his lost ideal of this I cannot be absolutely certain for he was a reticent man in such matters, but I think had it been so I should have known of it for we were very close friends One could hardly expect perhaps that an ordinary man would remain faithful all his days to the far-off memory of a child love But then Cameron was not quite as other men nor were his days long in the land and if this ideal of his was never dimmed for him by some grosser and less spiritual passion who shall say that he may not have been a better and even a happier man in consequence? It is not without an effort that I have resolved to break in the course of this narrative the reserve maintained for nearly twenty years But the chief reason for silence is removed now that all those are gone who might have been pained or harmed by what I have to tell and Though I shrink still from reviving certain memories that are fraught with pain there are others associated therewith which will surely bring consolation and relief I must have been about 11 at the time I am speaking of and the change which for good or ill comes over most boys lives had not yet threatened mine 
I had not left home for school Nor did it seem at all probable then that I should ever do so When I read I was a great reader of Dotheboys Hall and Salem House a combination of which establishments formed my notion of school life it was with no more personal interest than a cripple might feel in perusing the notice of an impending conscription For from the battles of school life. I was fortunately exempted I Was the only son of a widow and we led a secluded life in a London suburb My mother took charge of my education herself and as far as mere acquirements went I was certainly not behind other boys of my age I owe too much to that loving and careful training heaven knows to think of casting any reflection upon it here But my surroundings were such as almost necessarily to exclude all embracing and hardening influences My mother had few friends we were content with our own companionship and of boys I knew and cared to know nothing about in fact I regarded a strange boy with much the same unreasoning aversion as many excellent women feel for the most ordinary cow I Was happy to think that I should never be called upon to associate with them By and by when I outgrew my mother's teaching I was to have a tutor perhaps even go to college in time and when I became a man I was to be a curate and live with my mother in a clematis covered cottage in some pleasant village She would often dwell on this future with a tender prospective pride she spoke of it on the very day that saw it shattered for ever For there came a morning when on going to her with my lessons for the day I was gladdened with an unexpected holiday I little knew then though I was to learn it soon enough that my lessons had been all holidays and that on that day They were to end for ever My mother had had one or two previous attacks of an illness which seemed to prostrate her for a short period and as she soon regained her ordinary health i did not think they could be of a serious nature so i devoted my holiday cheerfully enough to the illumination of a text on the gaudy coloring of which i found myself gazing two days later with a dull wonder as at the work of a strange hand in a long dead past for the boy who had painted that was a happy boy who had a mother and for two endless days i had been alone those days and many that followed came back to me now, but vaguely I Passed them mostly in a state of blank bewilderment caused by the double sense of sameness and strangeness in everything around me There were times when this gave way to a passionate anguish which refused all attempts at comfort and times even but very very seldom when I almost forgot what had happened to me our one servant remained in the house with me and a friend and neighbor of my mother's was constant in her endeavors to relieve my loneliness But I was impatient for them I fear and chiefly anxious to be left alone to indulge my melancholy unchecked I remember how as autumn began and leaf after leaf fluttered down from the trees in our little garden I watched them fall with a heavier heart for they had known my mother and now they too were deserting me this morbid state of mind had lasted quite long enough when my uncle who was my guardian Saw fit to put a summary end to it by sending me to school forthwith He would have softened the change for me by taking me to his own home first But there was illness of some sort there and this was out of the question 
I was neither sorry nor glad when I heard of it for all places were the same to me just then Only as the time drew near I began to regard the future with a growing dread The school was at some distance from London and my uncle took me down by rail But the only fact I remember connected with the journey is that there was a boy in the carriage with us Who cracked walnuts all the way and I wondered if he was going to school too and concluded that he was not or he would hardly eat quite so many walnuts Later we were passing through some wrought iron gates and down an avenue of young chestnuts Which made a gorgeous autumn canopy of scarlet amber and orange Up to a fine old red brick house with a high-pitched roof and a cupola in which a big bell hung Tinted a warm gold by the afternoon Sun This was my school and it did not look so very terrible after all there was a big bow window in the pillared portico and looking timidly in i saw a girl of about my own age sitting there absorbed in the book she was reading her long brown hair drooping over her cheek and the hand on which it rested she glanced up at the sound of the doorbell and i felt her eyes examining me seriously and critically and then I forgot everything but the fact I was about to be introduced to my future schoolmaster the Reverend Basil Daring This was less of an ordeal than I had expected He had a strong massively cut leonine face free and abundant white hair streaked with dark gray But there was a kind light in his eyes as I looked up at them and the firm mouth could smile I found pleasantly enough Mrs. Daring seemed younger and was handsome with a certain stateliness and decision of manner Which put me less at my ease and I was relieved to be told I might say goodbye to my uncle and wander about the grounds as I liked I Was not surprised to pass through an empty schoolroom and to descend by some steep stairs to a deserted playground For we had been already told that the Michaelmas holidays were not over and that the boys would not return for some days to come it gave me a kind of satisfaction to think of my resemblance just then to my favorite David Copperfield But I was to have a far pleasanter companion than poor lugubrious flute tootling mr. Mel For as I paced the damp paths paved with a mosaic of russet and yellow leaves I heard light footsteps behind me and turned to find myself face to face with the girl I had seen at the window She stood there breathless for an instant for she had hurried to overtake me and against the background of crimson creepers I saw the brilliant face with its soft but fearless brown eyes small straight nose Spirited mouth and crisp wavy golden brown hair which I see now almost as distinctly as I write You're the new boy she said at length. I've come to make you feel more at home I suppose you don't feel quite at home just yet Not quite. Thank you I said lifting my cap with ceremony for I had been taught to be particular about my manners I have never been to school before you see miss daring I Think she was a little puzzled by so much politeness. I Know she said softly mother told me all about it, and I'm very sorry And I'm called Marjorie generally shall you like school do you think I? might said I if if it wasn't for the boys Boys aren't bad she said ours are rather nice. I think but perhaps you don't know many 
I know one I replied how old is he she wished to know not very old about three I think I said I had never wished till then that my only male acquaintance had been of less tender years But I felt now that he was rather small and saw that Marjorie was of the same opinion Why he's only a baby she said I thought you meant a real boy and is that all the boys you know are you fond of games Some games very said I what's your favorite game she demanded Bezique I answered or drafts I meant outdoor games drafts are indoor games is indoor games I mean No are an indoor game that doesn't sound grammar, but haven't you ever played cricket not ever really I Like it dreadfully myself only I'm not allowed to play with the boys and I'm sure I can bat well enough for the second eleven Cartwright said I could last term and I can bowl roundhand and it's all no use just because I was born a girl Wouldn't you like a game at something they haven't taken in the croquet hoops yet shall we play at that? But again I had to confess my ignorance of what was then the popular garden game What do you generally do to amuse yourself then she inquired I read generally or paint texts or outlines Sometimes I thought this accomplishment would surely appeal to her sometimes I do wool work I Don't think I would tell the boys that she advised rather gravely She evidently considered me a very desperate case it's such a pity you're not knowing any games suppose i taught you croquet now it would be something to go on with and you'll soon learn if you pay attention and do exactly what i tell you i submitted myself meekly to her direction and marjorie enjoyed her office of instructress for a time until my extreme slowness wore out her patience and she began to make little murmurs of disgust for which she invariably apologized that's enough for today she said at last i'll take you again tomorrow but you really must try and pick up games cameron or you'll never be liked let me see i wonder if there's time to teach you a little football i think i could do that before she could make any further arrangements the tea bell rang and when i lay down that night in my strange cold bed hemmed round by other beds which were only less formidable than if they had been occupied I did not feel so friendless as I might have done and dreamed all night that Marjorie was teaching me something I understood to be cricket which however was more like a bloated kind of backgammon The next day Marjorie was allowed to go out walking with me and I came home feeling that I had known her for quite a long time While her manner to me had acquired a tone even more protecting than before and she began to betray an anxiety as to my school prospects which filled me with uneasiness I am so afraid the boys won't like the way you talk she said on one occasion I used to be told I spoke very correctly I said verdantly enough But not like boys talk you see Cameron I ought to know with such a lot of them about I tell you what I could do though I could teach you most of their words only I must run and ask mother first if I may Teaching slang isn't the same as using it on my own account is it? Marjorie darted off impulsively to ask leave to return presently with a slow step and downcast face I mayn't she announced mother says certainly not so there's an end of that Still I think myself. It's a decided pity 
and more than once that day she would observe as if to herself i do wish they had let him come to school in different collars i knew that these remarks and others of a similar tendency were prompted by her interest in my welfare and i admired her too heartily already to be offended by them still i cannot say they added to my peace of mind and on the last evening of the holidays she said good-night to me with some solemnity everything will be different after this she said i shan't be able to see nearly so much of you because i'm not allowed to be much with the boys but i shall be looking after you all the time cameron and seeing how you get on and oh i do hope you will try to be a popular kind of boy End of section 15